Hello there and welcome to episode 18 of the Shine Sparkers podcast. My name is Darren. I'm joined by two members of the team today, Roy and Gladrax. Gladrax, this is your first time being on a podcast, so why don't you tell us a little bit about the stuff you do at Shine Sparkers? Uh, so I am the community manager and community spotlight manager of Shine Sparkers. Uh, I do most of the posts on social media and I reach out to people to feature them on the website every month. Excellent. Well, it's good to have you here. And obviously I'm not Amanda. Um, Amanda's not here for this episode because she is playing Metroid Dread and we didn't want to expose her to any spoilers. So I have taken over and hopefully we can have a great time but I must warn people that this podcast will contain spoilers from the newly released game, which some fans may wish to avoid until they've played the game for themselves. So Metroid Dread was released recently, and we are here today to talk about our feelings on the game. We're going to start with Gladrax. Gladrax, why don't you kick us off and tell us what you thought of Metroid Dread. I really loved every second of it. Uh, it's a really amazing game. You can truly feel how every single part of the game is really uh, mastered in a way. Like every every detail part is so well polished, so well done. It's uh, It's really amazing. Um, the gameplay is easily the best in the whole series. Uh, it's super dynamic. Um, there are new, numerous new abilities in the game, like the Phantom Cloak on the Storm Missiles, which are a very nice addition to make uh, the gameplay feel a bit different from the usual uh, Metroid games, which was uh, very nice. And I really liked how um, the level design was a lot more interconnected uh, than it was in Samus Returns. It's It was really, really nice and allows for plenty of sequence breaking and stuff. I really, really liked it. I'm going to say it. Dread is right up there with Super Metroid. It takes what Super Metroid did and it just makes it the most fluid game ever. Samus moves and controls like a charm. The combat is just the best in any Metroid games so far. Everyone hated how you would have to stop, wait for an enemy to attack you in Samus Returns, parry, then shoot. That's gone. The counter is so much more dynamic, and you can use it on the run now, which I loved. Probably took about a day to finish it, and every second of it made the 15-year wait worth it. You could not have the battles that you have in dread on the ds it just wouldn't it wouldn't be the same i think the wait was worth it i think that the story was really emotional and tied together the series in a fantastic way the final twist in particular was awesome and also shocking i think we can all agree yeah definitely yes so I absolutely love Dread. I think it's it's probably the the best 2D Metroid game. And although I think nostalgia goggles on, probably Super Metroid is always going to beat it. Uh, but I I really loved it. I think it was uh, a very very well polished game. It looked and felt brilliant. The movement, Samus's animations, 
the in-game cutscenes, the the characters, bosses um, are brilliant. The game was never going to live up to expectations, uh, considering that I waited 15 years for it. But uh, it certainly was a solid title. It's definitely Metroid 5. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I've completed it 100%. I think it took me a couple of days. And I did struggle with some of the Shine Spark puzzles. Uh, but I got through them. I had the determination to do it. And now I'm playing through hard mode. And hard mode is, uh, well... Put it this way, I've not got very far. <laughs> it's going to take me a little bit of time just to get uh, used to collecting as many energy tanks as possible and trying to avoid enemies because they hit like a truck. Uh, <laughs> I think the if I was to give any sort of criticism or complaint, I think it would probably be in the music. I think it was relatively average. It wasn't terrible. I think it suits the environment well, but there wasn't any themes there that I would consider to be overly memorable. Uh, it doesn't really compare to Metroid Prime and Super Metroid. Um, I also feel that the ending was a bit abrupt. I feel like they could have done a bit more with the ending trying to think if there was anything else but nothing's really coming to mind overall i had a fantastic time with it it was a lot of fun to play um and if you have a switch oled i highly recommend uh using it to play dread because on the screen it's just a night and day difference between the regular switch and the oled that looks absolutely beautiful um so i suppose that's my thoughts on the game but I am interested to know uh, what you thought about some parts of the game that were uh, pretty significant. We had some twists in there um, about the lore and the characters. So I think we should probably start with uh, Quiet Robe, uh, as we, we also know him as uh, Flat Egg. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> on, on that, I think we should probably go to Gladrax. Gladrax, what, <laughs> what, what are your thoughts on the whole scene with uh, Quiet Robe slash Flat Egg? Uh, I loved it. I really loved finally meeting uh, Flat Egg, <laughs> which we need to explain his backstory at one time. We should probably explain that. So we, me and Gladrax, we were just having our stupid conversations one night and Gladrax pointed out that... Uh, um, that the Chozo at the time, who didn't have a name, just had a really flat face. And I jokingly said to him to try and convince him that the uh, the character was called, I think it was Old Egg or something. Old Egg, yeah. And that sort of developed into Flat Egg, and it just kind of went from there. <laughs> it's brilliant. He's almost going to be like the Shine Sparkers mascot at this point. He's he like, he, it's brilliant. <laughs> and you called Ravenbeak Iron Egg. Iron egg, yes. Yeah. He, like wears a load of iron, so it's pretty simple that one. So yeah, um, but flat egg. <laughs> that, that's the kind of origin story for, for him. <laughs> oh, he was really amazing. I. It was very special to finally meet uh, a chozo, uh, later on a chozo who spoke um, the chozo language mm. because we saw like old bird and gray voice and stuff in the manga, but uh, they spoke English. So it was a bit different uh, with uh, Flat Egg, and it it was very nice. Uh, it was a very nice moment. It was a first in the series, and it didn't even stop there. They had to make uh, Samus reply to him in Chozo language. Not only did she speak, but she spoke in Chozo. It was really, really amazing. I I loved every second uh, of that cinematic. But I was very angry when he died right after. 
<laughs> I was very, very angry. I was expecting to to have a lot more Chozolor from him and eventually uh, having Cryotrobe as a recurring character in the game. But he has like four minutes of screen time. It was strange and surprising, but at least my uh, the anger <laughs> which came after this helped me <laughs> defeat that uh, Chozo robot thing right after, which did uh, give me a hard time. <laughs> I died several times fighting it. I texted Darren when I got to that scene, and I was freaking out because Samus spoke. I was in disbelief. And then I kept dying to the soldier. So on the one hand, I got to watch the scene a couple more times and sort of take in what was going on. At the same time, I was also getting my rump kicked by the soldier and got frustrated, but ultimately I prevailed. Would you believe me if I told you Darren killed him in first try? In his first try? Literally, I witnessed it. <laughs> oh, I would believe you because he told me. I was so angry. My reaction there, I mean, Gladrax heard it firsthand because he was watching me at the time. Pure anger, just, just like Samus. I was so ang- I was so angry. <laughs> So you were as vengeful <laughs> against the robot as I was against the final boss of Ori 2. Um, I wouldn't quite go that far. You were pretty angry when that happened. Um, I really thought it was going to be um, Quiet Robe warning me about Ravenbeak uh, throughout the rest of the game and just sort of giving me tips and hints and stuff. And, and it was just a shame to see that he only had limited time. But in that time, he did give lots of lore and uh, an explanation as to um, you know, Samus's origins and uh, bits and pieces about the game that was really important and it was nice it was a big lore dump but there was a lot to take in and then he dies and then you've got to immediately fight this this Chozo robot and I didn't have time to to react to anything I just I just knew that he was dead and it was like I've got to kill him he's got to die and he just completely wiped him out and then I had to take in the fact that this this very kind Chozo is now dead. And I'm like, oh my god, like, how? Why? And it was just really sad. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was quite shocking. I wasn't expecting it at all. Um so yeah, that that's kind of my feeling on that whole scene, I feel. Just just absolute delight and joy, and then anger and horrible, horrible feelings of anguish afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I was also distraught when quiet robe died um and i was terrified that once his body got infected by the x that we would have to put him down and fortunately that wasn't the case he somehow retained his benevolent nature and let samus absorb him so that he could restabilize her dna which raven beak had thrown into disarray hence her mutated suit yeah it was um that that was a cool scene. We'll come to that a little bit later on. Um, but it was a very powerful moment at the end of the game. The other thing that I wanted to touch on was the whole revelation of who uh, Ravenbeak actually was and, and why he'd brought Samus to the planet and how everything through the games had sort of led up to this moment. I found that to be quite interesting. That was definitely a surprise, yeah. And the closer we look, the more details we find about Raven Beak's involvement throughout the series. So it's very interesting. Uh, we already know, uh, thanks to Flatleg, 
<laughs> what uh, <laughs> what he did on SR388, which was killing pretty much every Thoha Chozos on the planet to prevent them from destroying SR388 because he wanted the Metroids for himself. We also learned a, even a bit more about this because the Mokin uh, Ravenbeak's tribe didn't arrive after uh, the Metroid situations were not offend. They were here the whole time. They used to be allied with the Thoa tribe, which was a Quiet Throb uh, and Allbird and Grey Voices tribe. So it's really interesting because it's it makes it feel like even more of a treason than it already did back in Samus Returns, uh, which is very interesting. There was also that strange discovery on a mural in Ferenia, uh, mm, on which you yes. can see the Mokin Chozos and Space Pirates. Yeah, that was really interesting when you pointed that out. And we still don't really know what it means. So yeah. it's interesting. It's, it's almost like there's little Easter eggs in the game. I suppose this is an opportunity if you spot anything in Metroid Dread that just doesn't quite make sense or there's some lore or some hidden stuff in that game maybe just get in touch and let us know because it would be really interesting to see what you discover mm. definitely yeah i uh saw that um there was such a mural and i went back in the game to see where that was so for listeners who want to look for it it's in Ferenia, as gladrex said uh if you go to the elevator to dairon the one that's on the left on the map uh you'll find it there what did you think of the whole story of um, the revelation of what happened just before the final battle? Sakamoto called, said that Dread would conclude the narrative that's been ongoing. I think what he meant was it would be the last game about Samus and the Metroids, which we saw with her becoming the last Metroid and potentially losing such powers, or at least gaining control of them. I'm just happy that they made Ravenbeak into a fleshed-out villain instead of a generic, we want to take over the galaxy and destroy everything. You know, they actually gave him some depth. First of all, he'd been impersonating Adam throughout the whole game, and I had no idea. I should have realized he says something like, accept your helplessness. Adam would tell her, go get him, Samus. I didn't really pick up on that until the very last scene with with the fake Adam uh, just before the final battle and I actually thought up to that point as well that Adam had been evil the whole time and that he'd drawn Samus here and I I was like doubting Adam again <laughs> kind of like what we did in other M I guess um so it was kind of interesting I think it was well written I, I didn't pick up on it immediately yes but the other twist you and I were in a call at the time uh, I couldn't stream it but I gasped and just lost my crap when they showed the flashback of Samus getting her DNA transplant. Because, you know, the manga, I think parts of it have been retconned, but for the most part, it seems to still be mostly canon. Maybe they need to make a prequel game or localize the manga here so that we can establish what's still canon and what's not. Or Sakamoto could just come out and say whether it is. But yeah, that was shocking. Half of Samus's Chozo DNA came from Grey Voice, implied to be from the Thoha tribe. 
I say implied because the game doesn't say that it's Grey Voice, but one can draw an inference based on the fact that he donated his blood to her in the manga. And then her Machin DNA came from Raven Beak. So that's why she fought the Metroids all along, because of her Thoha genes, because they were the ones who controlled the Metroids. And her physical abilities came from Raven Beak, a Machin, because he was super powerful and agile. He basically was a Chozo Samus. He refers to her as daughter, which just absolutely blew my mind. Because obviously we know that he's not really her father, but there's a lot of people that will be playing this game for the first time. They would take that literally. Yeah, and, and I think it's important to establish that he gave his DNA to Samus. And I hope that future games sort of delve into that a little bit more and give us a bit more of a taste of Samus's past and got the powers that she did and how she survived on Zebes and all this kind of stuff. I think it would be really interesting to have that in a game. I think we talked about this in um, whatever episode we had with Elias, that Samus's past, you know, it's been shown in comics and the manga, and I think the endings of Fusion in the Japanese version also show her past, but we've never had a flashback of K2L or Samus growing up on Zebes in a game, so they should do that. Make Metroid 6, instead of Chozo memories, Samus memories. Oh yeah. I suppose I'll just finish up by saying that that fight was really, really difficult as well. I had uh, a lot of trouble with that mm-hmm. final boss and <laughs> the the different stages. There, there was a lot going on there. And I'm, I'm going to say it, I think it was probably the hardest boss in a Metroid game. Oh, it was. But what I will say is I think it's quite fair. I think once you've learned the patterns and the movement, um, you can actually start recouping health and, and missiles from the black holes that get fired and um you you can beat the boss it's just it's just a learning experience and i guess that's true of the chozo robots as well and and other difficult fights in the game once you've got it down you can you can probably do it a lot faster and i'm hoping that that's the case when i go into hard mode and get to those parts i can still beat those uh, monsters those characters and uh and progress to the end of the game but yeah it's it's definitely a challenge if you're playing through for the first time so i i really hope that people stick with it if you haven't played it yet which why are you here because you've just been spoiled of the whole game pretty much um <laughs> <clears throat> but if you haven't then you should definitely uh just keep at it and i'm sure you'll get there eventually i've gone back and fought him a few more times and i've been able to do it almost flawlessly so yeah learn their patterns and you'll be able to do it in your sleep and then go back and sequence break and kill them in like one hit instantly (laughs) (laughs) yes i need to look into that for my next full run because i want to be able to bomb craid's stomach as gross as that is Yeah, Crade, Crade was a great addition. We should probably talk about Crade actually, because that was spoiled in uh, in a trailer, but it was such a massive surprise. Mm-hmm. The only issue that I have with it is that it wasn't really explained why he was there, but we mm. can presume he was probably cloned. He was either cloned or maybe the Machin somehow got him off Sebus before it exploded, but that would assume that he didn't die. How did you get him off Sebus before it exploded? Yeah, he, how is that even possible? How is that <laughs> physically possible? He can't even fit the door. 
<laughs> he can't fit the door because he eats too much mozzarella sticks. Maybe the space pirates got like the shrink beam or something from Federation Force and shrunk him down uh, and took him away. No, the amplification <laughs> beam makes them larger. That's how they made Samus bigger. Oh yeah, of course. Well, and then after, and then after yeah. she died, she shrunk into chibi size because everything yeah. in that game was chibi. Yeah, we'll have a whole uh, episode on Federation Force in the future. <laughs> Definitely. Just going back to what Roy said earlier about quiet robes, a zombie quiet robe, if you will, um, at the end, I was kind of hoping that he would jump in and just give like a finishing blow or something to Ravenbeak. I thought that's what was going to happen. It never happened. So I was kind of waiting and waiting, but it just never materialized. So, And the other thing that I think is absolutely unforgivable is that there were no animals in the final game what happened why why was that not included i spent 115 days between the <laughs> announcement of the game and the game several release. podcasts as well complaining about where are they where are they i hope they're okay <laughs> yes we were we were all worried about them and then they had the audacity to not even show up it's probably for the best, really. At least they were able to avoid like whatever went down there. And they would have been turned into X. There was an X on board at the end, so they probably would have turned into X. That probably gives us uh, an idea of, of uh, what Samus does with her bounty money. I'm sure she founds an animal shelter in space. That's why we don't see them. <laughs> I just hope that she flew back to Talon 4 or some planet that was peaceful and left them there. That could have been a Chozo memory. What? If, oh my god. What if she left them on Aether and they're now the pets of Umos? And oh. he sits there meditating and petting them. Well, that would cross over from the Prime and the traditional series, so I don't think that's happened. They're probably dead, Roy, let's be fair. Shut up. No, they're not. Come on. It's Metroid. <laughs> <laughs> well, what we need now is a story between Fusion and Dread, and they can call it um, Other E, so Other Egg. And <laughs> other Egg? <laughs> Another, another Chozo. Featuring White Egg and Swall Egg. Uh. Swall Egg. <laughs> so obviously there was a lot of really great things about Dread and the reception for Dread at this moment in time, of, at the time of recording, is that it seems to be selling very well. Uh, it's sold 87,000 physical units in Japan alone, which is uh, a huge amount. And I believe it's the best-selling Metroid game in Japan. Uh, for, for a region that doesn't actually sell Metroid or doesn't play Metroid very much, that's very good. Um, obviously, we've got to wait a little bit longer to find out how it's done in the rest of the world. Um, but yeah, really positive news. So it was really, it was really sad to see that there had been some negativity as well. And that brings us to the next topic of Mercury Steam's policy uh, regarding crediting in their games. And it's come to light that Mercury Steam doesn't credit any of their developers unless they've worked for twenty-five percent or more of the total development time. Uh, so we did reach out to Mercury Steam for comments on this and we asked for clarification on the policy. Mercury Steam responded with, and I quote, 
We accredit all those who stay with us a minimum time in a particular project, usually the vast majority of them. We set the minimum at 25% of dev time. We also credit those, even though they have not been in the project for too long, have had significant creative contributions. A game development is a complex, hard, exhausting endeavour. We understand any of us need to contribute at a minimum to it to be accredited in the final product. Uh, and then we did want a little bit more clarification. We asked what they meant by a significant creative contribution and why 25% was chosen as the total development time for credit in the final product. And they responded with a significant contribution might mean a lot of things from designing a playable character, writing dialogues, lore, anything substantially important to the game. On the 25%, this is something based on our experience. Of course, it can be seen differently elsewhere. So what, what's your take on that? How, how do you feel about this? So let's, let's go to Gladrax first. Um, what's your thoughts on this? Um, it sucks. It really does. Uh, I think every, anyone who worked on the game, regardless of what they call a significant contribution or not, should be credited. I, I really don't understand uh, that decision. I can What I can understand in is that the meth, uh, the message they are trying to to give uh, with that decision is that if you let them down, you you shouldn't expect to be thanked or anything, which kind of makes sense. But I think that uh, 25% thing is really a really real thing. It, it doesn't really mean much. I mean, uh, I think there was one developer who worked for uh, 11 months, uh, which is almost 25% of the development duration of Dread, I think. Uh, and he or she wasn't credited in the game, which is Really, really strange. I mean, even months, regardless of the total uh, game development time, it's still a pretty huge amount of time. So I, I really don't get it. It's not fair. And I would like to publicly acknowledge and thank these developers. Roberto Mejias, I apologize if I said that wrong, a 3D artist who worked on Dread for eight months, as well as Tanya Peñaranda Hernandez, who was, uh, I believe, an animator. And then there was a third developer who didn't give their identity. Um, if you're listening, thank you. You should have been credited. And thank you for what you did. It's, I don't think that the 25% marker is fair because they mentioned, you know, some people who have significant contributions, even if it's not for 25% of development, uh, would get credited. Think of Samus's voice actress, Nikki Garcia. She had one line and also a scream of rage at the end, and she was credited, which she should have been, and I'm glad she was. But these two developers, along with the third and any others who haven't come forward, who worked on it for much longer, don't get the credit. So it might be company policy, but I believe it should change. And 
I would urge Mercury Steam, if they're listening, to please consider changing it because everyone deserves to have their work recognized. Absolutely, I completely agree. Um, and, and there's been a little bit more news that's come out recently um, regarding pay and um, just the general working conditions at Mercury Steam. We won't get into that right now because we have um, a lot to digest there and go through, but um, maybe in the future it's something that we can talk about. Um, this is a really important topic. I personally feel that if you've worked on a game and you've put time and effort in there, regardless of um, how long you've been working on the project, if it's something that's in the game and shipped, uh, you should absolutely be credited. And I, I completely acknowledge that this policy was probably put there for a reason. Uh, I really hope that it's um, a genuine reason and it's not used as a tactic uh, to control staff or anything like that. Um, and, and I say this with the greatest of respect to Mercury Steam and the whole team, that they have done a fantastic job with Dread. Uh, it's a brilliant product, and this is why it should be celebrated, and everyone that was a part of that should be celebrated. And they should be in those credits, because if those developers then want to go on to different things, they can tie their name back to that, and they can look for other forms of work and they can say that they were part of a very successful uh, brilliant game and it's something that they can be proud of and at the moment mercury steam is withholding that from them and they're not allowing that to happen and so i i know that you listen to this mercury steam stuff i know that you you do listen to this we've had a chat about this you can make this right you can do the right thing here and you can credit these people I respect that it might take a bit of time to make it right and and make this change, but you know this is the first Metroid game that can be updated, right? You know you can put out an update and you can make this change, make it right for the people, make it right for them, please, because this is this is such an important Metroid game, and the fans have been really supportive. You know you've made a fantastic game. There's been so much positivity around the studio, around the game what you've created you know please don't let something like this overshadow all of the good work of the whole team you know make it right do the right thing be a you know be a catalyst for change in the industry you know show because this isn't limited to just mercury steam we need to point that out it's not just mercury steam that does this it's other developers it's other forms of media and it has to change you know it doesn't cost anything to give people the credit that they're due and and i really hope that they they make this change and again i just echo what um roy said those people that aren't credited in the game that worked on this thank you ever so much for your time and making this one of the best metroid games ever released and i really hope that you get the credit that you deserve Okay, on to something a bit more positive, the mailbag. So we asked our Twitter followers, uh, where do you want to see the traditional series of Metroid go next after Dread? And we had a few replies, and I'm very sorry we put this out at the very last moment before we started recording. So um, I apologize if you wasn't able to get into this mailbag, uh, but we are thankful that we got a few replies, and we'll try and cover some of those now. So... Aura 5 Bommy, uh, I'm sorry if I got that wrong, 
um, <laughs> says there should they should add the 3D FPS games to the Nintendo Switch. I think having both the 3D and 2D style of gameplay is great for the series. Also, unless Zero Mission and Fusion are going to be put on the Nintendo Switch Online service, they should get a HD remake. Since there are already two different developers for the 2D and 3D games, Nintendo should continue to use them instead of using a different development team. Also, when it comes to voice acting, they should leave the audio in English and continue to have have subs in other languages. Well, I actually personally love the fact that they were able to uh, translate this into multiple languages. I think it makes it accessible for so many more people. So I would highly encourage them to continue uh, like doing voice acting in various languages. I think it's a fantastic thing. Um, so, uh, respectfully appreciate the, the tweets, but, uh, disagree on the, on the last part there. <laughs> uh, Darts Enthusiast says, I think it's already an ideal place gameplay wise. So the easy answer would be more of the same, please. I own uh, the only improvements I see would be quality of life features and bonuses related to speed running. A returning time attack mode with online leaderboards, a new game plus with the map available from the start for easier routing. Or maybe, one can dream, a randomizer mode. I would completely agree to a randomizer mode. Yeah. Um, Nintendo and Mercury Steam already seem to be understanding and embracing the speedrunning aspect of the series with dread, so I'd love it if they went a step further. On a completely unrelated note, adding an easy mode to make future games more accessible to newcomers, Dread was pretty brutal. <laughs> I would agree with that. Um, even as a series veteran. I love the challenge and Metroid works great as a hardcore action series, but more difficulty options never hurts. Mm. Yeah, you know, they added an easy mode to the Japanese version of Fusion. Oh, yes. Because uh, that was quite difficult. Fusion. Did, I thought they added a hard mode to the Japanese version of Fusion. Um, maybe they might have, but I all I know is that overseas there was no difficulty uh, adjustment. I was always told it was a, a hard mode, but I'm not certain on that one. I'd have to check. But um... uh, there's an easy and hard mode in the Japanese version. Okay. So QTurtle on Twitter says, I'd like the mainline series to stay 2D instead of going third person or isometric. Maybe add optional bounties like take no damage in X area or kill no fauna in Y area as achievements to further increase replayability. And of course, more cool power-ups, especially for mobility like Dread. Also, we need more new beams. That's my one disappointment with Dread gameplay-wise. I can agree on the lack of new beams, though. I was expecting, like, uh, to get a brand new beam to defeat um, a Ravenbeak. Well, we we did get... We technically a, did. Well, a returning beam, <laughs> which is a lot more powerful than it used to be in Super Metroid. <laughs> but uh, I'd like to have some new options... Um, uh, than just uh, having the classic plasma and wave beam. Yeah, like flat beam that flattens all the enemies, <laughs> and they can roll them up <laughs> and then use them elsewhere to like open a door or something. I don't know. I'd like a power-up uh, which makes you turn into a ball. With that the would be morph very nice. ball, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and to have it available from the start would also be great. <laughs> I kind of liked that they had the morph ball a bit later, though. 
to be honest. It was uh, it was an interesting twist. They they did try yeah. and uh, change things up a bit from the traditional formula. Uh, that is something that I forgot to mention. Yeah, I, I really appreciated what they did with the game. I also like how they refined the uh, classic abilities and just made them that bit better, like having the uh, speed booster and then being able to jump off walls with it. Uh, yes. And also shine spark down. That was cool as well. So it just feels like it was always there, but Mercury Steam has just brought that out and they did a fantastic job there. So yeah, in terms of beams, yeah, I guess I didn't personally have an issue with that, but I could understand the need for extra beams. So maybe in the future, more games, uh, better beams, maybe. So for the next mailbag question, we want to know what is your favourite character or boss from Metroid Dread? Okay, thank you ever so much for listening and thank you to Roy and Gladrax for joining us. Hopefully Amanda will be back next time to host the podcast and we will see you next mission. See you next mission. See you next mission. Um, three, two, one. <laughs> Wait, we were all supposed God to say sake. clap? No, no, no only, only he says clap. Because if I clap, you can, you can barely he- uh, hear anything or see anything on the waveform, that's why. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Shine Sparkers podcast. My name is Darren, I'm joined by Roy and... Our creative... No, that's wrong. Let me start out again. <laughs> you this might why also I want have to explain why Amanda isn't hosting. I'm going to do that. Okay. Give me a chance. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> okay. Okay. Gladrax, this is your first time being on a podcast, so you should... If, ah, no. <laughs> Gladrax, Gladrax, why don't you kick us off and tell us what you thought of Metroid Dread? Um, the fire didn't look great. 9.5 uh, out of 10. <laughs> there we go. That's your contribution for the, for the episode. <laughs> wow. Okay. Right. So, seriously, right. what's your thoughts on Metro Dread? Uh, I loved every second of it. It was amazing. It really was uh, amazing. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Just, just okay, amazing. Let, let me try again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. One, two, three. <clears throat> there are numerous new abilities in the form of uh, the storm missiles, the flash shift. I can't. I this can't, is going really well. You. I cannot say flash it. shift. <laughs> you can. Okay. One, two, three. There are numerous new abilities in the game in the form of the flash shift. <laughs> Oh, f- oh, I'm dear. sorry. I'm not going to mention it. <laughs> just I just talk about the Phantom Cloak and the Storm Missile, and yeah, you should yeah, be yeah. fine. Okay. The, the the whole moment of seeing Quiet Robe for the first time, I really thought that he was going to be there to assist Samus through the rest, like maybe on intercom and say, you know, Samus, you know, you, you must go this way and just be aware of um, of Quiet Robe and not not, not Quiet Robe. So I'll start again. <laughs> <laughs> be aware of me <laughs> be aware of quiet robe quiet robe is the evil one only flat egg matters if you hear flat noises run <laughs> okay on to something a bit more positive the mailbag and for this podcast we are asking people 
Actually, no, it was for last podcast, wasn't it? Let me start again. <clears throat> They should get a HD remake. Since there are, uh, sorry, uh, Nintendo and Mercury Steam or Mercury, yeah, Mercury Steam already seem to be understand. I'm gonna start again. Uh, and I think we said about was it we agreed on Roy? Because we favorite was it favorite boss from Metroid Dread or something? Favorite character? I think it was yeah, favorite character. And why is it flat egg? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Tell your joke, Gladrax. Um, yeah, go for it. <clears throat> you could say that flat egg flatlined. Shut up. Go on, Thank Roy. you. I'll be on, having a tour on the whole planet now. <laughs> uh, you can find me at the Shine Sparkle Circus <laughs> starting I next week. I say we take off and nuke <laughs> the entire planet from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. This podcast was edited by Darren Kerwin, with music from Maserati. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can find more at shinesparkers.net, along with the latest Metroid news, community features, and exclusive content. Alternatively, you can also find us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next mission.